morning, church. Please stand. Lord, we thank you this morning for the opportunity that we have day after day to meet you wherever we're at, Lord, and that you are faithful to meet us there. We lift up our songs and we lift up our hands and praise to you this morning.
Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone, I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you and forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
and with Let us pray together the collect. Let us pray. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The children would come forward. Good morning, ladies, gentlemen. Love your hairdo today. Looks perfect. <laughs> let's pray. If you'd reach out your hands, let's pray with these young kids. They go off to Sunday school. Heavenly Father, we pray and ask you always and every year to watch over these people. Fill them, Lord God, with your courage and the knowledge of your truth and with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> morning. This morning's first reading is from 1 Kings, chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask, what, ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, You have made your servant king instead of my father David. But I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life, long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand. 
This morning's psalm is Psalm 119. Please respond by the half verse. My eyes fail from seeking your salvation. And your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy. And teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimony. It is time for you to act, O Lord. For they have regarded your law as void. Therefore, I love your commandments. More than gold, yes, and fine gold. Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false thing. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted. For I longed for your commands. Look upon me and be merciful to me. As your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word. And let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of man. That I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant. And teach me your statutes. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Our second reading this morning comes from Romans, chapter 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Lord be with you. May the Lord be on our minds, on our lips, and on our hearts as we hear his holy gospel. The holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You are the one I pray that you would reveal yourself to us this morning. I pray that you'd open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, open our hearts to know the love you have for us and the love you have 
for everyone we meet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in case you haven't realized, Bishop Bates is not preaching this morning. (laughs) Uh, unfortunately, he and his wife uh, took ill and had to postpone their trip a little bit, but they will be here tomorrow. So keep them in your prayers, traveling mercies, fullness of health, and we'll enjoy uh, Bishop Bates preaching next week. Today, uh, I get the opportunity to jump in and uh, fill in for him, and I was looking at our series we were doing in Acts, and God said, yeah, I don't want to talk about that today. And I said, okay, yes, sir, aye, aye. <laughs> and so today we're actually just going to talk about the readings. And I want you to know this whole sermon, actually, God told me it was all about one thing. It was about how much he loves you. And the reason I'm telling you that up front is because you might not get the gist if you don't have that framing, right? Because there's some stuff that I think God wants to teach us so that we can know how much he loves us. So that we can live out of that love. And so we're going to start with this idea that has obsessed philosophers and theologians for thousands of years. Literally since there has been religion, since there has been an idea of human life, there has been a question. And that is, what is the good life? What is the good life? There's been different ways of talking about it. Uh, Aristotle called it eudaimonia, which is this like happiness, this joy. Uh, The Jewish tradition talked about shalom. And we've talked about that some recently. The peace that fulfills all things. The peace that comes not because nobody's fighting, but because God has won, right? And there's this idea in there too that Jesus talked about this his entire ministry. He called it the kingdom of God. Being a part and living in the kingdom of God. And so when we look at our culture today, this project is largely abandoned or it's been derailed. And I don't want to make any broad cultural commentary, but I do think it's really obvious in the people you meet that they're struggling with three things. They're either looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love, searching. They're looking for something to fulfill them, and they don't know where to go. And so they chase money, success, fame, power, family, whatever they put in that highest place that directs their life. And they think it will give them the good life, shalom, peace, eudaimonia, the kingdom of God. Or they're sacrificing the good life for the good moments. We see that quite a bit in Southern California because you can have some great moments here. You really can. Some of the coolest, most fun things to do in the entire world are here. Trust me, I was just in Selma, Alabama. The contrast. (laughs) I love that place because of the people. (laughs) But you just, we take for granted the beauty of the ocean, the beauty of the weather. Oh my goodness. That was made very apparent to my wife and I when we were in Selma, Alabama for like their hottest summer in decades. It was not fun. 96 degrees, 150% humidity. I know that's scientifically impossible, but my phenomenologically, it's true. I felt it. Um, My point is we have a culture, especially in Southern California, where you fill your life with experiences, 
with Instagrammable moments, with these things that are going to fill you up. And then you go back to work on Monday morning and you think, gosh, I don't feel so good. I know because I've been there. I've been chasing the moment and sacrificing the good, the good life. And I say that, right? You're substituting the good life for the good moment because those things are good. It's not like substituting the good life for the evil, right? But that second margarita might be the next margarita on the pathway to destruction and emptiness. It could be, right? It doesn't make the margarita bad. It means we have to know where God is leading us and what that means, right? So either way, these are two very present problems in our culture. People are looking for love in all the wrong places. They're going after other religions, other gods, other things. And then they're sacrificing what they know is the good life for their immediate gratification or pleasure. Lastly, I think there are some, there's a, almost a spirit in our culture of cynicism where people are opting out of the search altogether. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do because there's no such thing as the good life. There's only what we have, and you just make the best of it. And they find their ways of medicating that emptiness, or they find their ways of going through their life minimizing suffering or minimizing pain or minimizing whatever, but they're never looking for the true path, the true goodness that is offered to them. Now, what is our answer to this dilemma? I think the first passage we read this morning in the Old Testament gives us some clues as to what it means to find the kingdom of God, the good life. And I'm just going to summarize it because there's a lot in there and we're going to keep going here. Basically, you have Solomon and just imagine you've got King David, the best of all the kings of Israel forever. And he dies, and Solomon's going to be king. There's a lot of drama in between that we're skipping. But imagine you're the guy about to be crowned king right after King David, the one that we still talk about how great he is. And he's feeling a little anxious. But then, like all great fairy tales and folklores, a genie comes to him in the middle of the night and offers him one wish. That's kind of what it reads like, right? And then God showed up and said, what do you want? You get one wish. And he says to him, God, I'm just a child. I want wisdom, understanding. I want to know how to discern what is good and what is evil. I want to know how to govern your people. And God goes, we have a winner. Imagine if he had asked for something else. There was a test implicit in this. Just like all great genie stories, if your wish is wrong, your life falls apart. In fact, every genie story has that in it. And why is that? Because there's something true. What you desire reveals your heart. Over time, when you seek after these other gods, like I was saying, when you run after money, success, fame, power, whatever it is, recognition, influence, then your heart gets turned and your desires get twisted. But what Solomon revealed in his heart was a true desire to know what is good and what is evil, to govern the people of God. He wanted wisdom. He wanted truth. He wanted to know how to achieve the good life as a king. 
Let's talk a little bit more about what's going on here. I want to break down these three things that he kind of talks about, or these two things. So it's wisdom or an understanding mind, but to do what? Well, first of all, it's to discern good and evil. And second of all, it's to govern your people. Now, there's a way of talking about a human that is extremely true. Uh, I can see it in my own life. That basically we are a diversification or a conglomeration. We're an abundance of desires, needs, and warring personalities inside of ourselves. You know that, right? There's somebody in you who is pointing in the opposite direction from the other guy. Paul talks about this. I have a war in my flesh. How do I help myself to do the things I know are right and not the things that are evil? So when Solomon says, I want wisdom to govern your people, I think we can appropriate that for ourselves. I want wisdom to govern myself. Starts there. And then we can have wisdom to govern our household, our business, our community. But first we need wisdom to govern ourselves. I thought of a great, just fantastic example. I mean, the best example in the history of sermon illustrations. But basically, I'm kidding a little bit. I was thinking the other day about that moment when I put my kids to bed and everything is quiet in the house. Haley is feeding the baby and I walk over and I look at the kitchen and I look at my back porch and I have two options here. I've got the part of me that wants to serve my wife and love her well. And then I've got the part of me that has an old-fashioned, already made, and a beautiful chair on my patio, and a nice book that would love to just go and sit down and read my book and drink my old-fashioned. You know what? She'll clean it up later. And what is the question here? Well, I need some wisdom. All of the men here know it's a trap. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The point is, I need wisdom to discern what is good and what is wrong in this situation. What is good, what is evil, what is the right thing to do. But then I need more. Because let me tell you, it's pretty easy for me to know what the right thing to do at that moment is. I also need wisdom to govern myself. Because i got to be able to tell that guy who wants to go sit on the patio, nah, not today. Or in 30 minutes when I'm done doing the dishes, Right? There's nothing wrong with sitting on the patio, reading a book, sipping on an old-fashioned. Trust me, it's wonderful. But if I do that in neglect of my duty, and I'm not saying every husband has to wash the dishes every night. I'm just saying you know what I'm talking about. Something in me says I need to clean the kitchen so that my wife's done feeding the baby and putting her down. We can enjoy time together without burdens and chores. We need that time. It's important. And something in me is like, yeah, but I'd rather... So I need wisdom to discern good and evil, and I need wisdom to govern myself. So when you think about that, you might say, yeah, but God isn't showing up to me in a dream saying, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. We're not like Solomon. And yet, oh, hold on. Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven Give good things to those who ask him. Do you think God's going to withhold wisdom from you if you ask him? In fact, the other gospel that tells that saint has that same passage says, How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Can you have the Holy Spirit and lack wisdom? Well, I think you could ignore the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty darn good at it. 
as he reminds me sometimes. <laughs> there is a sense in which we like to separate ourselves. Yeah, but I'm not Solomon. Yeah, but you know who's smarter and wiser than Solomon? Christ in you, our hope of glory. We have a choice today. Will you seek riches, power, the ability to vanquish your enemies? Or will you seek wisdom? We're all Solomon here. We're all given a kingdom to manage. It starts in here. The temple of the Holy Spirit. The residence of our God. Okay. You only have to look around to see that people are starving for wisdom. Like we're talking about. How many thousands and millions of hours of podcasts are there that people listen to to understand how to love their spouse, how to raise their kids, how to do good at their job? It has flooded our world because there's a desire to understand. It's a desire to know. How do we as Christians gain wisdom? I'm absolutely not saying don't listen to podcasts. I listen to more podcasts probably than anybody in this room. But I am saying we have to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere before we listen to those podcasts. And I think our psalm gives us a hint. In fact, there's a verse in the middle of our psalm. We're going to read a larger passage. But it says, the entrance of your, capital Y, your, God's words, gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Well, sorry. It gives understanding to the simple. I don't know about you. But simple, if you didn't know, in this context means it gives understanding to the dumb. It gives understanding to the idiots. It gives understanding to the people who don't understand. That's me all the time. So where do I start? I think we have to start with the word of God. And so let's look at what the psalmist is talking about here. In Psalm 119, beginning in verse 123, he says, My eyes fail from seeking your salvation and your righteous word. Deal with your servant according to your mercy and teach me your statues. I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. It's interesting, right? Because David is the psalmist in this particular psalm. And his son, because he read his dad's psalms, knew what to ask for. Understanding. Wisdom. We gain wisdom from God's word. Let me explain a little more here, because I think you guys know that, right? Every one of us knows God's word contains wisdom for us. Here's an example of what that might look like, and maybe what we think of when we think of that. My kids love the show called Bible Man. Now, some of you are old enough to remember the live-action Bible Man, a classic of modern cinema, but they have this new uh, cartoon version that my kids absolutely adore. And the whole premise of this show is that you have these evil supervillains called like the Sultan of Selfishness or the Grand Duchess of Greed. And, you know, they've, and they've got them all, or the Ronin of Wrongdoing. And they attack children through influence, through whispers, through magical powers to make them do bad things. And the idea is it's the temptation to do the bad thing, whatever it is, selfishness, etc. And the whole show is the kid behaving really poorly. Uh, and at the very end, Bible Man shows up and he says, don't you know that the Bible tells us that the truth will set you free? And the kid goes, oh, I should have been telling the truth the whole time. And the bad guy goes, no, and fades into the background, right? Every one of us knows that that's not how it works. I can tell myself all I want. The truth will set you free. 
It doesn't change the fact that I lie sometimes, right? It doesn't change the fact that although I know I should not be angry or I should not be annoyed or I should not be offended, I get angry, annoyed, and offended. If Bible man showed up and told me, you shouldn't be angry, it wouldn't change the fact that I was angry. I'd be a little curious as to why Bible man is showing up, but I would not not be angry. So think about this. That's not what the psalmist is saying. He doesn't mean you memorize Bible verses so that when you encounter that thing, you can just say, ah, yes, this Bible verse answers my problem, and now I'm okay. In fact, I have tried this with my wife. The Bible says, do not be anxious for anything. That does not make her less anxious. I promise you. In fact, sometimes it seems to have the opposite effect. I'm not exactly sure how that goes. Um, Because what she hears is, you're judging me. You're angry with me. You think I'm in the wrong, right? She doesn't hear, I love you. I want to help you in that moment. So what do I mean when I say the Bible is going to give you wisdom? The Bible is going to teach you that when your wife is anxious, you love her well and you model God's love for her. It's not going to teach you to spout off your favorite scriptures to make her give up whatever is making you annoyed or making her anxious, right? We are looking not to memorize scripture to solve our problems. We are looking to be formed by scripture so that when you do encounter a situation, that living scripture within you reminds you, oh yeah, there's a better way. And when that becomes internal, when that gets written on your hearts as the path of all scripture is, then you start living according to those principles and ideas. Here's an example. We all know those people who they just mimic whoever they're hanging out with. They just say whatever they heard on the latest podcast. They annoy the heck out of me. Like, be a real person. Don't just say what you heard or do what other people are doing. That's all of us. Every one of us have that problem. And yet we can all think of that person who has that problem. No, that's you too. That's us. How do you think we compose our selfhood? Sorry, I'm using kind of big words, I guess, for this. What I'm trying to say is you're a mixture of the influences in your life. And if you listen to a bunch of stupid people, you will be stupid. The hope is if you listen to a bunch of Holy Spirit-filled wise people, it will make you wise. In fact, that's in Proverbs, which is our book of wisdom. It says bad company corrupts good morals. It's just the way God designed the world that you would be in relationship with him, be influenced by him, and be influenced by his body on earth, the church, to be who he's made you to be. We are all the people who are products of what we eat, intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, whatever you consume, it shapes you. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that if you watch Nacho Libre like 10 times in a row, you're going to all of a sudden be goofy and idiotic. I'm not saying that, right? I am saying that there is something we have a responsibility to do, which is to make sure that our voice, our internal dialogue, is shaped by the Word of God. Then we can approach the world with freedom. Then we can approach the world knowing what is true and what is false, discerning good and evil, and being able to govern yourself. So when I talk about what Scripture is supposed to do, it's supposed to shape us in wisdom. And then we can say with the psalmist, therefore I love your commandments more than gold. Yes, than fine gold. 
Therefore, all your precepts concerning all things I consider to be right. I hate every false way. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and I panted, for I longed for your commandments. If you need an example of how this works, look at your children who get raised in the faith. I know in my life there was a point in time at which I started actually wanting to do the right thing more than I wanted to do the bad thing. Now that journey continues to this day. There are still times where, as I've mentioned many times, I want to do the bad thing more than I want to do the good thing. But I will tell you, you can see the transformation as it happens. When you are raising them up in the way that they should go, your children will not depart from the law of God. That's what we're promised in the scriptures, in the book of wisdom, in Proverbs. So what does that mean for us who are adults? Just because your dad or mom isn't telling you what you should do and shouldn't do doesn't mean you're off the hook. In fact, now, guess who your father is? Guess who you need to listen to? Guess who you need to be shaped by? And all of this, as I said from the beginning, is because God loves you so much. And basically, the enemy is running around, and we have these kind of scary words for it, right? He seeks whom he may devour. How does he do that? He puts traps all over the world. You should do the lazy thing. You should do the easy thing instead of the right thing. You should do the fun thing. You should sacrifice the good life for the good moment. You should look for the good life in your job. You should look for the good life in your family, in your car, in your house, in whatever, instead of finding it in Christ. So when we talk about wisdom, it brings us to our gospel. And we talk about Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. Because I do think that there's a sense in us that's like, okay, so far all I've heard is, Learn the Bible, be a better human being, tisk tisk, you aren't good enough. I don't know about you, but that's how I was feeling while I was writing it. I was like, dagnabbit, I can think of ten times this week that I haven't listened to what I'm trying to say in this passage. But there's a secret here that I think Jesus unlocks in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The secret is, when you know what's being offered to you, you can have joy as you sell all you have and buy the field. When I think about the joy that I might bring to my wife, when she walks out of the room and there's a clean kitchen, all of a sudden that old-fashioned in that book pale in comparison. Not all the time, right? Come on. I definitely stumble into my own wicked ways. But my point is, if I have my mind right, if I have wisdom, then I will see that the benefits outweigh the cost astronomically. That's the point of the kingdom of heaven. It says, come and die. That's a harsh word. Jesus is like, take up that torture device, the cross, and follow me. And you go, why? And he says, you can have life and life everlasting. Because whatever you're doing now, before you take up your cross, is not life. It's just a path to death. 
aside from Jesus and his cross and resurrection, whatever you're doing is just a path to death. But with him, it's resurrected life. It's eudaimonia. It's shalom. It's the good life. It's the kingdom of God. We have an answer. The answer is the way of the cross, the way of Christ. Sell it all and buy that field. And then he continues, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. My question today for, both, for all of you is, are you so busy that you forget to look for the pearl? The merchant has to be looking in order to find it. In fact, the guy who found the treasure, you know what he had to do? He had to dig. And guess what? He probably didn't find it the first time. He probably had to dig multiple times. He had to look for the treasure. And then he finds it, and he realizes what he has. In his joy, goes, sells all he has, and buys the field. That's all well and good, but I actually have better news than even that. The kingdom of God is joy and life eternal. Great news. Here's better news. Do you know what field Jesus is talking about? He's talking about the world. And do you know what treasure he's talking about? He's talking about you. Because what did God do? He looked out and he saw a treasure in the world. And he sent his son to sell all he had and buy that field so that you could be in relationship with him. So everything I've said so far has focused a lot on how you can participate in what he is already doing in you. You're not alone. In fact, God has sold everything that he could have you. You are bought with a price. You are precious in his sight, just as you are. And like I said at the beginning, this whole sermon is actually about how much God loves you. And so when Jesus says something like, seek first the kingdom of God, which is the fundamental principle of wisdom, seek him first, put him in the highest place, he does that because he's put you at such a place of value that he would give his entire life and die on a cross for you, that he could spend eternity with you. That's wisdom. Seems foolishness to us, but it is wisdom because the core of everything is that he loves you and he's inviting you to love him. Amen? Amen. The Father, the Father Almighty, Almighty, the maker, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. 
And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. God the Holy Spirit is constantly interceding for us. Therefore, let us join in with him for our needs and for those of the whole world. That the church will be zealous in furthering the kingdom of God. Lord, in your mercy, that the patriarch, bishops, and all clergy will live lives holy and pleasing to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, that legislators will enact laws that are just for all their people especially the poor and the marginalized. Lord, in your mercy, that governments will recognize the image of God in every human life. Lord, in your mercy, that we will recognize the temporal and spiritual needs of our brothers and sisters and respond to them with generous hearts. Lord, in your mercy, that we, like Solomon, will have the wisdom to discern between good and evil. Lord, in your mercy, that we will be a thankful people, grateful for the privilege of being citizens of God's kingdom through the saving work of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Father, we know that you work all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to trust you in all the circumstances of life. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. And with your spirit. Turn and greet your neighbor with peace. The Lord be with you. Just a couple of notes on announcements and upcoming events, things going on this week. Um, As we said earlier, please pray for Bishop Bates and Kathy as they are traveling. We expect them here tomorrow uh, and uh, trying to talk them into being on fire night on Wednesday. So that might be interesting. You should be at fire night on Wednesday. If, um, If you haven't been, you need to come. And if you have been, you know why. (laughs) Uh, Also on the calendar, men's meeting is coming up and uh, women's meeting before that. So those are great opportunities to get together. And uh, like the women's meeting is one of my favorites because they plan things that need to be planned. And I am always enormously grateful and impressed. So be there if you want in on the good stuff. And uh, also the men's meeting, we're going to be lifting and moving things because we're men. <laughs> Go ahead, Thomas. So a uh, couple announcements. So the first announcement is that we've, um, we've changed a little bit about youth group where we're opening it up as seventh grade or 13, whatever comes first, um, to develop uh, more of a community sense in this generation and also so our older kids can impact younger kids with um, the lessons that they've learned. Um, so 
please know you're welcome to youth group, seventh grade, uh, or 13, whatever comes first. The, uh, so where we're going to introduce this, we have a end of, uh, I hate that I say this, but end of summer party. <laughs> it's not the end of summer. <laughs> end of summer party where we would like to invite all of that age group to come as their first experience with youth group. So it's going to be this Saturday at uh, Eric and Becky Reed's, 3 to 6. Um, so we're going to get an uh, announcement out in the Remind app. I'll have everything in the group chat. And if you are not, if you're a parent and you're not on the Remind app or you want to stay connected to what we're doing, please see my wife, Kristen, on how to uh, work together with that and the app that helps us announce everything that's going on. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. Saturday, 3 to 6 at the Reeds. I'm too old. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> Don't forget Mondays, helping out the poor. If you have a chance, you will want to be there also. Great ministry and a great help in summer as we have a lot of people moving around. Absolutely. Amen. Ascribe to the Lord the honor due his name. Bring offerings and come into his courts. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord.
Thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise.
Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Make your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts, we pray, by sending down the Spirit upon them, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave it to his disciples. He broke it, gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take this, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave the cup to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died, Christ Christ is risen, and Christ Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that, partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch, Craig, our bishops, and all of our clergy. Remember especially those who are sick and firm in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up today Susan, Naomi, and Sonja, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Chuck, and Soul, Ed, the Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those who are serving in our armed services. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you've made us worthy to share eternal life with Blessed Virgin Mary, and the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who were called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. 
Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving.
you, Lord. You know, we love the Eucharist, and I think it's one of the closest moments we ever come in our communion with the Lord. Pope John Paul believed. I want to use that time now to uh, pray for one of our young men, Levi. And I just want the whole family to come up. Father Drew Wynn. And uh, he's got a marvelous crew. He's stationed out here now. I knew him as uh, the dean of Bishop Ortiz's church. And he got the word from the Lord to go into the armed services, be a chaplain there. And it's a, it's a tough road sometimes, but the Lord's going to bless you greatly for doing it, I'll tell you that. And I just want to pray for each one of you and just, uh, we're just so excited that you're here worship with us and we want to welcome you. Let's bless this man of God that anything he touches, Lord, prosper. His motives are right there for you and just cause grace upon grace upon grace to come upon this family as they stand with them in this foreign place. <laughs> this young man is going back to uh, finish college and then he's going in the service. And he's already got his life set, Lord, and we just pray that he goes as mighty soldier of God. Amen. Just, we just pray that you watch over him, the top of his head, the bottom of his feet, everywhere he goes, Lord, that which he does will prosper. In Jesus' name, Amen. thank you. Thank you all for worshiping with us and being a part. i got to remember to pray more to cover your ministry. All these guys that work Stand. We had a few babies born this week. One in particular. Oh, Where's yeah. our drummer? She had a baby yeah. like two days ago. Yeah. Friday. Friday. Congratulations. Yeah, we're really excited about that. And uh, we can't get enough babies. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> We love babies. We love children. And uh, we're all children of the Lord. We're all on that journey into becoming mighty, mighty men in God for Him. And these, uh, these new children, I'm just so confident, will just uh, be brought up and they'll learn the ways of the Lord. And they'll take their place when time is due. All different levels. And that was so good just to hear that announcement about our young people like that. At every level, there's such an opportunity here, and we want to get our children as quickly as we can plugged in to uh, understanding the ways of the Lord and serving Him. So, anyway, let us pray together. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, 
you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Say, Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander the world, seek and ruin of our souls. Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. And the maker of heaven and earth. Remember the gospel God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against him. He loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not mad at us, and he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. The blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen.